I'm delighted to welcome you, Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kayun Capital, to share the view from the mainland. Good morning, Brock. Good morning. Delighted you're here. So, because there's so much to speak about. Now, there seems to be a steady stream of visitors to Beijing with Blinken, Yellen, and hopefully the EU's Burrell visit will be rescheduled. Are you hoping anything positive is going to come out of these, or is it just a load of hot air? Well, it may be mostly hot air, unfortunately, I, I think. And a lot of the blame goes to Joe Biden, I would say, who seems to lack a coherent China policy. The U.S. is a supplicant kind of begging China to re-engage, but also being unwilling to meet China's demands, particularly on the tech war. So we're reduced to sending, a, you know, an elderly economist to Beijing on a diplomatic mission without much of a clear objective. So I, I'm just not sure that we should have high hopes here. OK, uh, just talk about these export controls on gallium and germanium. They actually seem to have rattled the U.S. more than previous sanctions. There seems to be a lot of worried people about this. The Renault chairman, Senard, says his, this wakes him up at night. The EU has necessary dependence on Chinese metals. Should this be keeping the rest of the world up at night? And the US is yet to react with any tit-for-tat sanction based on the positive words from the talks. Do you think they'll hold well, off? I think the, the response is coming. I do think it's a serious issue. Not so much that those two metals are irreplaceable, because I don't think they are. But it sets the tone that China is willing to use its exports, um, in, you know, as as um, as a means to address the U.S. in the tech war, and and that just shows, I think, that we're in a worsening situation, not an improving situation. So I would think the U.S. response is coming, and I don't think it will it will help matters from the Chinese perspective. So how bad do you think this could get, Brock? Do you think it would be possible for U.S. and China to fully decouple? Well, look, we've been playing with words a bit lately. Whether we call it decoupling, de-risking, or whatever we want, I still think the divorce is likely to proceed apace. Um, you know, Biden himself, I think, is relatively soft on China, but he's not really driving the bus on this issue. Deep or full decoupling won't be easy or quick, and it will take a, a rare kind of political and financial commitment from Washington. But I do think that's where we're heading. Hmm. Um, and eventually, I think Beijing may regret not trying to harder to reach an accommodation with Joe Biden while, while the opportunity was there. And do you think the U.S. would regret as well? Or it's, it's not as going to be as big a hit for them? I think that other than the White House itself, the U.S. political establishment is mostly on board with, uh, with proceeding with the tech and trade war. Yeah. So I, I don't think the, that, that the ongoing nature of the tech and trade war is going to be upsetting to many in Washington outside of the White House itself. Yeah, and it's been interesting because obviously it started off with Trump, but it did continue when Biden got into power, which surprised many people. So how long do you think a full decoupling could take? It's one of the few take? issues Go that on. unites both parties in Washington. Yes, that's it. Yes, that is something at least they agree on. How long do you think it would take, worst situation, to fully decouple? Well, look, it took us a couple of decades to couple. So I don't think we'll be able to decouple immediately. Um, there are lots of uh, lots of supply chains and capital flows that are going to be difficult to unwind. But I do think that we're likely to see some serious steps taken towards that eventuality.
Okay. Now, moving on to Antec, who have just had their fine. Uh, but the good news, I guess, is they can now move forward without things hanging over them. How good do you think this is for the China fintech um, industry in general? I asked my guest this earlier, but really keen to get your view as well, Brock. Right. Look, it's hard to overstate how, you know, Ant has been a real fiasco um, in terms of China's perception in Western financial markets. You know, there, there were two main events. First, there was Didi, where regulators almost fraudulently allowed an IPO to proceed before they announced uh, investigations immediately thereafter. And then there was Ant, where kind of the biggest IPO in recent memory was shelved at the last minute. And what these two things really did in tandem was to highlight the issue of uninvestability to an investment community that formerly had not been focused on that. Um, now we see, you know, Ant is reconstituted, but the business model is much less attractive and the economy is in a, a much slower phase. So, you know, original pricing is long gone, but that aura yeah. of unquantifiable China risk that leads to potential uninvestability, that still remains. So it really served to focus the global investors on a series of risks where we had mostly not been focused before. And that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. And I think point out, as you already did, that it's not just Antec. I think you mentioned Didi and also Tencent's Tempeh have all received fines, I believe. Yeah, quite substantial ones. So we've been talking about specifics up to now, but what are your thoughts for the China economy in general? We're kind of at the half-year point, so a good time to review and look forward. Do you think the mainland will hit its 5% growth target, and what stimulus do you think could be coming? Right. Well, look, growth is a malleable term, so it kind of depends on what, uh, on what everyone means. And there's often a, a, a chasm between reported data and actual data. I would say there's no realistic way China's economy hits a real 5% growth this year, and that's coming off COVID. Um, There's just no denying that the recovery has been a bit disappointing. But there's also an issue regarding the quality of growth. And, you know, simply reopening capital access to local governments to restart infra projects, that's reasonably low-quality growth. I think we're likely to see more stimuli in the second half of the year, but But look, there are no easy options for Beijing right now. You know, a series of 10 basis point rate cuts is just not going to move the needle. And LGFEs are already basically generally insolvent. So the old playbook simply isn't going to work, which is why today we're kind of receiving a a stream of assurances from Li Chang and others that Beijing will be super duper supportive. But we're seeing that rather than actual policies because there are no easy answers right now. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds for you to answer the last question, but let's go for it. Let's give it a try. There seems to be a movement of investors away from China with it looking to be going to Japan. But do you see any specific sectors as good opportunities in China? Well, look, there are companies that I like, sectors that I like, and there are companies and sectors that will benefit from likely government policies. But the old growth levels are gone for good. And now Beijing has changed the game for foreign investors. So... Given regulatory instability, new security laws, the inability to perform due diligence, uh, the cutting of bond pricing fees, negative trajectory for U.S.-China relations, the trade conflict, and so on, I think there are opportunities for specialists, particularly in distressed areas. But, but otherwise, I think most investors should be at a zero allocation for now. Brock Silvers. 
Chief Investment Officer at KUN Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Uh,